Lord, you are unshakable. Father, you're unchangeable. You're unstoppable. Lord, you are God. And Father, I have no right this morning to, um, to say anything of my opinion. Lord, none of our teachers, none of our leaders of our life groups, no pastor has a right to, to preach or teach opinion. But God, the obligation this morning is to share truth only from Scripture. Scriptural truth, God, that is, that is breathed from you into human authors, into human writers, Lord, that have given you their lives and have given you their penmanship and that you have given them your words. And so, Lord, that's something to be taken so seriously. We're excited about that, Lord. We're, we're excited to worship you in that truth, Lord. And I just pray that, that the people in this, in this auditorium, the people here at Kirby Church, Lord, would be open to the truth of Scripture, Lord, that if those that are here just visiting in this new year, first Sunday, Lord, that they would be open to you as a real Savior, as the God who created them, who breathed life into them, Lord, may they be open to that. May those of us who are believers, who have been Christians for years and years or for days or months or wherever we're at, Lord, may we be open to the Holy Spirit tugging on hearts and even on our own lives, Lord, may we be open to change, open to, to make ourselves better by giving ourselves more to you. Lord, it's in your name that we've come. It's in your name that we've worshiped. And it's in your name that we will continue to be attentive to you and that we will continue to worship that name of Jesus Christ that we all pray. And God's people said, amen. You may be seated. Let me tell you why we're here today. We're here today to celebrate the reality of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And that reality is, is that Jesus Christ is Lord. Amen? That's the reality where we're at, that he is Lord. He's been Lord. Jesus will be Lord forever and ever and ever. And he is Lord. And I'm just so excited about that. I really am. And he's Lord of this upcoming year, the year that we've just entered into, 2009. He's Lord of that year. He's risen from the dead and he is Lord. I love it. He's Lord over everything. He's Lord over everyone. He's Lord over anything, anywhere, everywhere. He's Lord over the Democrats. He's Lord over the Republicans. He's Lord over the upper class, the middle class, those of us who have no class. He's, over, he's Lord over any of us. He's Lord over the has-beens. He's Lord over the, the wannabes. He's Lord over the squeaky cleans in here. And he's Lord over the down and out sinners. He's Lord over the things we can see. He's Lord over the things we cannot see. He's Lord whether you believe in him or not. He's Lord. He's Lord whether you live like it or not. Jesus Christ is Lord, and that's what we've come to celebrate, that he's risen, and I just want to celebrate that today and acknowledge that today, that he's Lord. Right up front, 2009, he's Lord of Kirby Church, he's Lord of my household, he's Lord of my heart, he is Lord. And so today I want to take you to a passage of scripture that occurred just after the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And I want to answer the question today, if you're a note taker, if Jesus Christ is Lord over everything, broke free from the tomb then why do so many of us stay bound to so many things in our lives? If he is Lord over everything and everybody, Lord over this new year, then why do we continually struggle with habitual hypocrisy and sinful guilt? If Jesus got up from the grave, why are we continually held down by dysfunctional relationship? It's a new year. But are you gonna be the same you this year that you've always been? I want to take you straight to the Word of God this morning. And if you will, uh, just to stand with me, every once in a while, we just like to stand in reverence of the Word. Uh, it's not something we do every week, but it's just something that we take so seriously of God's Word that uh, sometimes we just like to stand in reverence of that and to read it together, uh, if, you, if you don't mind. In John chapter 20, 
verse 24. If you can flip there, even while you're standing. John chapter 20, verse 24. Happy New Year, Kirby Church. Happy New Year. God wants to do something awesome in your life today. And I pray that today, I've prayed this all week. I've prayed this four weeks. I pray that today, in these Sundays, in this new year, that today especially would be one of the best days of your life ever. One of the best worship services of your life. God has made Jesus Lord of all. Now, this is an interesting passage that we're going to read just a few verses of. And I love when we stand and honor the word because it's just true. This word is true and, and, uh, and I just love it because it is true. So John chapter 20, we'll read a little bit, comment on a little bit. And I promise I won't forget that you're standing up. Deal? We good? Awesome. Thank you. John chapter 20, verse 24 says, Now Thomas called the twin. One of the twelve was not with them when Jesus came. The other disciples Therefore said to him, we have seen the Lord. He's talking about Thomas called the twin. I would stick with Tommy any day of the week. The first part of verse 25, the disciples come to Thomas and say, look, we've seen the Lord. We've seen him. And I just want you to think about this morning. Isn't that just the ultimate opportunity missed to have seen the Lord? Either one of two situations happened here. Either the disciples sent Thomas off to run an errand and while he was gone, Jesus comes back from the dead and, and they come back, he's come back and, and they say, man, we've seen him in his resurrected glory. He's off getting milk at the grocery store or whatever, going down the bushes or Kroger and he comes back and, well, you haven't missed much, just the resurrected son of God resurrected. That's about it. Either that happened or what I think even happened that's much more serious is that Thomas was so disturbed by Christ dying on a cross. He was so hurt that he had dis distanced himself from the disciples. Where the disciples are huddled up together and they're, they're still that unit, still uh, just uh, hurting over this loss, hurting over the, the death of their savior, mulling over everything that was supposedly true that they're curious about, that Thomas so followed God, so followed Jesus that he had just distanced himself. And then disciples come up to him and say, listen, we've seen the Lord. We've seen the risen Lord. One of those two things happens, and, and either one of them points us to the ultimate missed opportunity. Many of us attend church because someone at some point witnessed to you, witnessed to you as an individual and said, listen, Tommy, I've seen the Lord. I know the Lord. I've seen the Lord, and I want you to know him too. And that's why you're even in this room today. That's why you've been a part of, of Kirby Church for years, months, weeks. That's why you've come just to visit today, because you've got some weirdo sitting beside you who said, listen, I've seen the Lord. You need to come and, and understand what I'm excited about. You need to come and understand why I love church, why I love God. That's why you need to come. And you're like, yeah, that's a weirdo right here, right beside me. But those of us who are here and are believers, somebody has said, listen, I've seen the Lord. And I want you to see him too. I want you to know him. Verse 25, the second part of it says, we've seen the Lord. So he said to them, and this is Thomas's words. He said to them, unless I see in his hands, the print of the nails. Follow alone in, in yours. And put my finger into the print of the nails and put my hand into his side. I will not believe. Honestly, I think that some of us today in here getting that secondhand information, I, I'm praying that you move from secondhand to firsthand today. I'm praying that you move to firsthand information that I know I've seen the Lord. I've experienced him today. It's not just what he said, she said, my mom or dad taught me. It's not what my, my kids brought me to church for, but that I saw him. I know that he's there. I, I know that this word is true. I'm, I'm praying that secondhand information turns to firsthand. It keeps going in verse 26. And after eight days, his disciples were again inside and Thomas with them. Jesus came, the doors being shut and stood in the midst and said, peace to you. And then he said to Thomas, check this. Thomas, reach your fingers here. 
Reach your fingers here. Look at my hands. Reach your hands here. Put it into my side. Do not be unbelieving, but believing. He said, listen, I know what you're saying, Tommy. I know exactly what you're saying. I know what you're feeling that you could, that you could see. Well, open your eyes, Thomas, because I'm here right in front of you. I'm here. I'm standing right here before you. Stop doubting, Thomas, and believe. There's so much treasure in these few verses. There's so much treasure just to grasp that I don't even have time to talk about it. But, but just picture this, and I'll let you sit down. That I, we could talk about this morning for a long time about how Jesus had the power to walk through locked doors. Locked doors. Jesus had the power to do that. The disciples huddled up in fear of the Jews and fear of the authorities of that day, and Jesus walks through locked doors. And he still does it today. He still does it today, spiritually speaking, that no matter how securely you think you locked the door or how great the security code is to your life, how much you just want things to fit just in in ABC, just the way you plan it out, that he is still a, a, a person who can walk through the doors. He's still a God who walks through the doors of the security in my life. And that's wonderful for us because those of you in here that are just lonely, you find yourselves in a new year and you are lonely. He says, listen, I'll be the, the companion that you need. I'll be your friend. I'll be that one. I'll be your comforter. For those of us who need healings, he says, listen, I'll be the healer of your broken heart. I will heal that heart. But what I really want to focus on today is the response in Thomas. This, these are the last verses we'll read. Here it is in verse 28. And Thomas answered and said to him, my Lord and my God. And Jesus said to him, Thomas, because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. Our key verse today is that very simple proclamation that Thomas says in verse 28, if you're looking, my Lord and my God. I believe that so many of you in here um, have never broken out of the chains that restrict your lives, addictions, lies, old habits, bad patterns, simply because you just never had a breakthrough. You've never focused on the Lord. You've never had a breakthrough in your life. And if you believe today that Jesus is Lord of all creation and that he came to seek and to save that which was lost, then I just want to celebrate that today. And I just want to say, Lord, you are Lord of all. That's who you are. And if that's you and this is your life, can you just celebrate with me and say, Jesus, that's you. You're Lord of all. You are my Lord, my God. That's why I'm here. I don't come just because my family brings me. You're the God of my life. You're Lord of my life. That's you. That's you. You're my Lord and my God. And if you study in the Old Testament, Your Lord, your God. It appears in the Old Testament over 200 times, and that's what we're gonna talk about today. So you can be seated. 200 times in the Old Testament that it says all throughout it, your Lord and your God. We're talking about your Lord and your God. It appears over just hundreds of times, the Lord, your God, the Lord, your God. This is a phrase that enemy kings use. This is a phrase that enemy rulers of evil empires use. The Lord, your God, they would use to describe the God of the Bible. And this is the way they would speak. They would talk about a distinction. This is not my God, this is your God. And I want it to be very clear to you, this is not my God, we're talking about your God. Fathers, I'm sure you can relate to this, but my girls are wonderful and they are my wife's little girls until they jack something up. And then, Tommy, you need to go get your girls. Your girls in there jacking the whole, they didn't ruin the room, ruin the bedspread, they ruined everything, they're eating crayons, shoving them in the toilet, golf balls all over the house. I mean, they're your kids. And I think that's kind of jacked up. Amen, fathers. I mean, that's kind of bad. I mean, 
this is the kind of distinction these people in the Old Testament are making. They're saying, listen, this is not our God. This is your God. Your God, the Lord, your God. It's not our God. And so the distinction that they make all throughout the Old Testament, when the Lord speaks of himself, if you want to jot it down in Exodus 20, when he gives Moses the Ten Commandments, he will continually say this, I am the Lord, your God. Focus with me. Your God. Now, I think this phrase is so powerful, church, because when someone who was a part of the redeemed of the Old Testament would speak about God, Yahweh, Elohim, when they would speak about God, they never referred to him as the Lord, your God. They always, 100% of the time, instead referred to him, the Lord, my God. He's the Lord, my God. That's who we're talking about. So in the statement that Thomas makes or, or in the Old Testament, the Lord your God, over 200 times that it's mentioned like that in the Old Testament. I believe in that one statement, there's both a definitive reality as well as a question. Here it comes, church. The fact is, is that he is Lord. I mean, that's just the fact, the reality of it. He is Lord, whether you like it or not. He is the Lord. But the question is this, for each and every one of us, the question is, is he your Lord? Is he your God? When Thomas made this proclamation, all the Old Testament understanding of the phrase came together when it came exploding out of his mouth. My Lord and my God. My Lord and my God. Thomas never doubted the existence of Jesus. He walked with him for years in ministry. He was a disciple for crying out loud. He didn't didn't doubt that he existed. He accepted the presence of Jesus but had never experienced his power. You get the difference in that? He knew he was there, but he didn't experience his power. And isn't that such a fitting thought for us? In our economy, in our day, in our family, in any church, isn't it fitting for us? Yeah, Pastor Tommy, I believe in God. I do, I believe in God. Well, good for you, really. But James 2.19 tells us that even the demons believe and they tremble. Even they believe. At the mention of his name, they tremble. So good for you to, I believe in God, but God doesn't want your shout out. He doesn't want that. How many of you watch the Grammys ever? You watch the Grammys, Emmys, whatever. You watch the the awards. What kills me is this. I mean, it's so bad it's funny. Is that some rapper will roll up there, accept an award for, you know, an album that had 35 F-bombs in it, 17 songs about sex, and get up there every time and say, I just want to thank my God. And it's like God is saying, I ain't got nothing to do with that. I didn't do any of that. Don't thank me for that. I did nothing. Every time. Yeah, I know. They give shout outs like that. And, and, and I like what Jesus said to Thomas in this passage. And he says it to me. And I'm telling you, my name is Tommy for, for a good reason. For a good reason throughout my life, but he says to Thomas in this passage, stop doubting and just believe. Stop doubting and believe enough of all that. And you know what what I think Jesus has to say to our families in the Downriver area? I really think it's about the same that he's saying enough of these years of coming to church every six weeks or so, every once in a while, and you do nothing and giving me a shout out by just showing up at church, giving me the shout out and thinking I'm cool with it. Enough, enough. I'm done with years like that. I'm done with life groups like that or church attendance like that. I'm done with that. But I believe in the Lord. I believe in the Lord, Tommy. I do believe. There's a passage for those of us because we've all been there. We can't be judgmental for those of us who are still there because we've all been there. 
But there's a passage for those of us that describes those of us who are like that today. And those of us who are not, again, we have been there. And you can never forget where we have been and what we are capable of even now. True. And so in 2 Timothy 3, 5, it gives us this passage, having a form of godliness, but denying its power. And from such people, you're instructed to turn away. A form of godliness. Check it out, church. It looks right on the outside. Some of us know about the Lord, but has he truly become your God? Is he your God? Is he your Lord? Have you made him the central being in your life? God doesn't want your props. God doesn't want your shout out. God doesn't want your special mention on your album. He doesn't want that. He doesn't want for you to just show up to church every six weeks and live a life divorced from the precepts and principles of his word. He does not want that. And if you're gonna call him Lord, you better make him the core of your life or else you're just living in this religious shell. Mm. You know what I believe where some of us are at this morning? I think that if we're gonna claim Christ with our mouths, but deny him with our lifestyles, I think this is just logical. If we're gonna claim him with our lips, but deny him with our lifestyles, we ought to stop calling him Lord if we have not made him our God. We, we just ought to stop calling him that. If we don't have on the inside what we're advertising on the outside, we ought to just shut the whole thing down. Shut it down. If McDonald's can't give me McNuggets and it's McDonald's and they're out of McNuggets, then shut the thing down. It's not worth it. If they're gonna tell you they're out of McFrosties or whatever it is, how are you out of McFrosties at McDonald's? Shut the thing down. Same thing with me. If what's on the inside is not, if what's on the outside is not what's on the inside, then you might as well stop calling him Lord. Shut the thing down. He says, stop doubting, Thomas. Stop pretending, stop fronting. Today you've entered a local church. If you've never been part of Kirby, you've entered a local church like many other churches, I hope, that does not believe that God is satisfied with mediocre Christianity. So when Thomas made that proclamation, my Lord and my God, not only is it powerful and not only is it a breakthrough, but Thomas makes it very, very personal. He says, my Lord, he's my God. You are my Lord, Jesus. You're my God, my God. It's very personal to him. What terrifies me this morning is that it is possible for you to attempt to get to heaven in the shadow of someone else's relationship with God. It's possible for you to attempt to do that. And mama's faith can't get you into the right state with God if it's not personal with you. He's not your Lord. He's not your God. It's about a breakthrough. I'm, I'm, I'm not just hearing what other people are saying about him anymore, Tommy. He's my Lord. He's my God. It's personal to me. This is not some front I'm putting on for anybody. If no one else was here, I would still sing the song. I would still read the scripture. I still believe it. It's no front. This is who I am. It's personal. And so my question is, have you had that breakthrough, that personal breakthrough with God, where it's not just about some experience you had when you're eight years old? I mean, that's great, people, really. That's wonderful. But if that's the last time you heard from God and now you're 48, you've not made him your Lord. You've not made him your God. If that's the last time you heard from him, if you say, well, I accept him when, I'm, when I was a child and I've lived 30 years without him, I think you gotta question the whole thing. I think you gotta figure out where you're at because he is not your Lord or your God. He is somebody else's Lord. Maybe somebody besides you, somebody else's God, maybe. But if that's the last time he spoke, I mean, you might respect him. We might 
We might be in reverence to him. We might pray to him when we're in trouble. But until he is so personal, until he's so close, until he's so real to you, I'm not telling you I'm perfect, but I am telling you this. When I became 16, what mama and what my papa said wasn't good enough anymore about God. What they said about God was not good enough. I needed it. I needed to have a piece of that. I needed to have God as a personal savior. I needed it to be part of my life, not just something that I heard about from friends and family that I love. And some of us, I'm so scared, are banking on the family that we're in, on who your daddy is. We're banking on some code of morality that we hold to. And you're a pretty good person. But it is possible to know all about the Lord and to not have him be your God. And if that's you, if that's the truth, that that you know all about God, but he's not your God, the only thing you can know is that you will bust hell wide open one day. There's no other option. It's got to be personal. It's got to be real. It's got to be something that you mean, not some fake hypocritical thing that you mean. Here's the deal. I hate touching nasty things. Straight up. I mean, I hate touching, touching nasty things. I'm talking about garbage disposal stuff, you know, like spraying that down. I love the spray thing, but when I got to get my hands down in there into the abyss, I'm like, oh man, that's nasty. Um, taking out the garbage when there's some unknown like substance leaking from the bag. That's sick, dude. I'm not down with that, really. But let me tell you, some things change when you have kids. Some things, not all things. I still hate those things. But something's changed. I'm telling you the truth. I'll sit here with my little girl and she will have a wad of snot chilling, rolling into her mouth, all in her mouth. She's got it caked on her teeth. Pretty girl, but I mean, nasty looking. And, uh, and as a father, I will do this number with my thumb. And on a good day, if I'm not at church, it's this number. A wad. Why? Cause that's my baby. That ain't your baby. I ain't wiping your baby's face for nothing like that. But when it's my baby, it's my little girl all day long. Something's changed when it's personal to you, right? I mean, it's true. Something's changed when it's personal. And so I'm telling you, if you've come as a seeker, I'm just trying to figure out who this Lord is. I'm trying to figure out who this God is of your church, this God of, of Christianity, who this God is, the Lord, your God. I want to know who he is. I'm telling you, you may say, this ain't my thing. This isn't my thing. I I didn't come here for me. That's great for y'all. I've got friends like this who say, man, I love to come hear you preach, but that's not my thing. And I tell them, listen, it's different when it's personal to you. It's different when you know that your savior died for you, rose again, came to be flesh and blood for you, gave you breath, gave you life, breathed life into you. I'm breathing right now. I can't control that, but God can. All that becomes very, very personal when we're talking about him. When he's yours, it's just different. My Lord and my God. Jesus came walking into that room. Came walking right into that room. Met him right where he was. And I love that. Meets you right where you're at. Whatever you struggle with, whatever your issue is, he meets you right where you're at. And he's met Thomas and said, Thomas, feel these hands. Thomas, touch my side. This, this was for you, Tommy. I did this for you. You weren't there because you ran away, just like all of the rest of you. You ran away. But I'm here as the resurrected son of God and I'm telling you, stop doubting and just believe. Stop doubting. Don't kiss your brain away, but stop doubting and believe. And don't just believe up here, Thomas, but I'm telling you, Thomas, you've got to bow your knee and proclaim that I'm not just your daddy's God. I'm not just your best friend's God. I am your God. And that just did something inside of Thomas. 
That is just something amazing inside of Thomas. Then Jesus says this profound, crazy statement in verse 29, if you'll look with me, just pretty ridiculous statement where he says, Jesus said to him, Thomas, because you have seen me, you have believed. Check it out, church. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. What's that mean? What means this? Blessed are you, Kirby Church, who have not seen. I'm not tangible to you. I'm not walking through walls physically to you. You can't put your hands in my side. You can't touch my hands, my feet. You can't, you can't see me. You can't tangibly touch me, see me. Blessed are you who have not seen and yet have believed because you will experience the power of a risen Savior and God will be in your midst. I love that, man. I love that so much. This is personal. It was our sins that held him to the cross. My Lord, my God, your lust, your sin, my issues that he paid for, that he paid for completely. It was mine to take and he paid my price. And I wanna share this last passage of scripture with you before I wrap this up in that this is especially for those of us who, uh, who know all about him, but don't live a life according to the freedom that God's word brings. Listen to this in Matthew 7. 21 through 23, you can flip there, you can write it down or you can just follow along on the screen. 7, 21 through 23 says this, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father. It is possible to know all about it, to have your own code of morality, to, have your, to accept the principle and the presence of the Lord, but to never make him a personal part of your life. It goes on in verse 22. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name? Have we not led life groups in your name? Have we not, have we not taught Sunday school in your name? Have we not been greeters in your name? Have we not done that? Have we not had perfect church attendance for 12 years for your name? Have we not cast out demons in your name, done many wonders in your name? And then this is powerful. And then I will declare to them, these are red letters, Jesus Christ's own words. He says, then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. That he was never personal. I was never personal to you. I was always a God that you knew about. You would come to church and you would love the songs because you like music. You would come to church and love church because you like the people. You would like life group because it gives you friendships. But how much of you would, how many of us would feel a lacking in our hearts if God if we were to go to heaven to be with our friends, if we were to go to be with all your family that have gone on, to go be with, with your friends now, to, to have your sons, your daughters, your grandchildren, to have everybody in heaven, to have a, a beautiful mansion, paradise, to just have anything and everything you've ever wanted to eat and not gain weight. How many of you would love to have all that and that would be fine, as, but you didn't have God, you didn't have Jesus. How many of us would be content with that? I think it measures us really well to say, wow, that's, that's kind of nailing me right where I'm at because I would be pretty stinking content without my Savior, without the God who came, the God who created me, the God who died for me. Without that, I'd be pretty content. Right now in this moment, oh, church, listen to me. Right now in this moment, I believe that God is reaching out to many of us. I do. I think, I think he doesn't want you to be the same person that you were in 08, in 09, 
You were a great person in a way, but he wants you to step up. He wants you to give your best. I don't mean by doing more. I mean by being more. I mean by being real. If you're not saved for you to come today and to hear truth and truth straight from scripture and to say, this is your chance. This is you. I've given you this opportunity. I think he's reaching out to many of us. And here's the tendency. The tendency is to think this morning, uh, 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 I'm not gonna do this right now. I'm not gonna do this. It's gonna mess up my whole afternoon. No, 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 no. It's gonna mess up my week. I'm not doing this. My family's gonna think I'm quirky. They're gonna think I'm a freak. I'm not playing this game today. I'm not doing this. I know this is true, but I can't do it. But Jesus, all while you're thinking that, and you know this is truth, that Jesus is speaking to your heart. And I'm telling you this, he will loosen those shackles of independence. Listen to me, I mean this with all of my heart. He will loosen those shackles of hurt and pain. He will loosen the shackles of addictions from your hands and feet if you'll just let him. No matter what you've done, no matter where you've been, no matter how you were raised, if you will give it to him today, Lord, save me, save me. Let me, let me be a child of yours, Lord. I believe I want you to be my Lord and my God. Or if you're a believer, say, loosen these shackles of sin from my life. I don't want them. I don't want them. I don't want them another day. I don't want them another hour. I don't want them another minute. And Jesus is trying to tell you, listen, stop doubting if I can heal you. Stop doubting if I can break your addictions. Stop doubting, Ford workers, that I'm still in control and can handle anything that this economy will throw at you. Stop doubting. Stop doubting and believe. Make me more than just your ritual. Make me more than just your personal luck charm. Make me your God today. Make me your God. Make me your God. Romans 10, 9 says this. If you confess with your mouth, the Lord Jesus, and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Confess with your mouth. Know it in your heart. Follow him. He's not your God anymore, your Lord anymore. He is my God, my Lord. I walked in not having a God. I walked out because I know God is true. I know God is real, and this is my God. I've accepted him into my heart. Even though you've doubted, even though you've walked away from church, you can be saved. The chains can fall. And I've seen him free me with my own eyes. I've seen him free and mend broken relationships in our own church. I, I, we've all seen him heal the weak in our own families. Those who were sick, those who were sin sick. We've seen him heal those relationships that he's brought you here to set you free. You're here to be set free. And this is your moment of breakthrough. This is what you might've always needed, a moment of breakthrough. And if your heart feels like it's just about to beat right out of your chest right now, it's because it's the heart of God speaking to you even now. Young man, young woman, mom, dad, grandpa, grandma, just look at me, be free. Just be free, be free. If I've been talking about you, and you want to be set free by Jesus Christ? You want the chains to fall? Make him Lord of your life. What I want to do, I want you to pray with me in a moment. And this is a very personal thing. I'm not going to call you up here. I'm not going to make you tell everyone all about your issues and all the trash that's in our lives and in your life. But you just say, you know, Tommy, I'm sick of dry religion. Just bottom line, I'm sick of dry religion. I'm sick of thoughtless attendance. I want the Lord to change me. I want him to change me. I want him to be my Lord and my God. So if we can all just stand just right where we're at, I just want you to bow your heads and close your eyes. And if that's you, listen to me, church, be so, be so still. If that's you, I just want you to pray this prayer. It's not about the words. It's not some magical thing, but I'm talking about you want him to be your Lord, your God. This is personal. This is it. This is your moment. Be free. 
Be free, church. Be free. And if you are not saved, you have never, you have never given your heart to the Lord. You have never, never made him Lord of your life. I want you to pray this. Say, Jesus, just to yourself, Jesus, I make you my Lord and my God today. I've heard others say that you're able to forgive. Now I receive your forgiveness for myself. Thank you for dying on a cross for my sins. I want you to work in my life, take control of my life. Lord, take my bad temper, take my self-centeredness, take my bad example, take my lies, take my jealousy. I sit my sin at the foot of your cross. I ask you to be my Lord and my God, even though I cannot see you, even though I cannot hear you, even though I cannot touch you, I sense your presence near me. I don't just acknowledge you. I want your power, your power over all of my guilt, all of my shame. I confess today that you, Jesus, are Lord and that you were raised from the dead. Lord, make me new. Break us free from our chains. And in Jesus' name we pray. Just keep your heads bowed, your eyes closed. And I want to give you some time, any of us, to be with your Lord and your God. It's a new year. It's a new opportunity, church. Is he your Lord? Is he your God? Have you allowed him to free you from those shackles?
gonna burn with a passion over you. And only you. Lord, I want to yearn for you. I want to burn with a passion.
for your mercy and your grace that allows us to embrace you as Lord. And we're such a people that are filled with our own rights and our own pride that we forget that even the choice to choose you, for my lips to be able to proclaim you as Lord of my life is a gift to me. It's not some amazing thing that I that I will in my own self and in my own strength and in my own power. It's because of your everlasting mercy, because your everlasting grace that's been extended toward us that we can even come before you and choose you and say, you're our Lord, you're our God. And so in that spirit, we bow before you this morning and recognize you as God of all gods, Lord of all lords, King of all kings, Lord and God, my Lord. So, Lord, I pray that you would be honored and receive our worship. And, Lord God, I pray that you would also receive our, our gift of our tithes and offering right now. And I pray that you would uh, that you'd be honored, Lord, in what we bring you this morning. Lord, we don't just want to bring you grain as we sang in the song here. We don't just want to bring you our songs and things. We want to yearn for you, Lord. We want you to take our life, Lord for us to lay down our very lives to you as an offering. And so we do that as we give our gift this morning. Pray these things in the name of Jesus. Amen. Sorry that we had to do our offering right now. We forgot to do it earlier. And so I just want to, the, you guys go ahead and take that up. I'm sorry that we didn't do it earlier. Will you just sing this with me again? You're unchangeable and unshakable. Unstoppable, that's what you are. Unchangeable, unshakable, unstoppable, that's what you are. Unchangeable. you walk